draw your attention to the 16th chapter of Revelation. If you would turn there, please. There's a, a lot of folks who have problems with Christmas. I do too, as far as how the world celebrates it. I am aware, and so is anyone who has any understanding of the Scriptures, that December 25th was not the day that our Lord Jesus was born. Matter of fact, that was a pagan holiday way before Christ came into this world. December 21st is the shortest day of the year. By the 25th, the sun worshippers knew their sun was coming back. That was a day of celebration for those who worshipped the sun goes way, way, way back before the coming of Christ. Christmas trees is just another pagan custom. has nothing to do with Christ or His salvation. And we have uh, nativity scenes and children's plays that although they have their place, has nothing to do with the Gospel. But those things are not the issue. The issue is Jesus Christ on His glorified sovereign throne as Lord and Savior of His people. And uh, if you have been disturbed by what I have just brought before you, 2 Corinthians 5.16 says, Yea, speaking of our Savior, the Lord Jesus, Yea, though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we Him No more. God has never delivered any of His chosen blood-bought children out of darkness through debates over the origin of Christmas, the origin of Christmas trees, the date December 25th, nativity scenes, or Christmas plays put on by different churches and schools. God never delivers any of His chosen blood-bought children in any other way but under the preaching of His glorious Gospel. And so what people need to hear are the truths concerning why Christ was born, why He came into this world, what He accomplished and who He accomplished it for, where He is now, what He is doing right now. We read about a demoniac man in Mark 5 who experienced the power of our Lord Jesus Christ in casting out a legion of demons. At least 2,000 evil spirits possessed him. He was a madman. Everybody in that area where he was knew he was a madman he lived in a cemetery he screamed at night he cut himself and it was just a terrible thing that he was going through and our Lord purposely went to that land to save that man and he did and when he cast out those demons after sending them into a herd of pigs that drowned themselves into the sea those people who owned those pigs and those people who knew that madman came and they saw that demoniac man, that man that was possessed with those demons, sitting there with the Lord Jesus Christ, clothed and in His right mind. 
Now, he was sitting, no doubt about it. That was his posture. But he was also resting in Christ. He was clothed. His nakedness, he went running through the cemetery in that known country naked, just screaming. He was clothed. His nakedness was covered with the garments of this world. But he was clothed with the righteousness of Jesus Christ. He was delivered from that awful mind that caused him to be controlled by those evil demons. But he also had his mind enlightened by the power of God the Holy Spirit to know the things concerning Christ. And when our Lord got back into the boat to leave that country, that child of God was so much in love with his Savior he wanted to go with him. And I don't blame him. But it wasn't God's purpose for him. God told him to go home to thy friends and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him and all men did marvel. So instead of getting in to arguments and debates over these Christmas things that you're opposed to. Take the opportunity that's before you and gather with family and with friends and have dinners. There's nothing wrong with that. If you're invited to a feast, the Word of God says go. And tell them what great things the Lord has done for you. How He has had compassion on you. Tell them why He came to this earth. And tell them what you experienced out of the preaching of His Gospel. And be a testimony, a witness, a faithful witness for the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ during this time when minds are, many of them anyway, are thinking about the birth of Jesus Christ. He's no longer a baby in a manger. He's no longer walking on this earth to establish a righteousness for His people and perfect obedience to His Father. He's not on that cross anymore. He's not in the grave. He's on His sovereign throne in glory. And that's why I like that song those ladies were singing. We have come here to worship Christ the Lord for He alone is worthy. Now last week I laid a foundation for this morning's message and I might add what Brother John Reeves brought in his devotional and what we considered in the adult Sunday school class also laid a foundation for this morning's message. Last week we took a brief look at Isaiah 13 and the prophecy of the destruction of that wicked city Babylon. God had revealed to Isaiah what He was going to do. It was a prophecy. It was a prophetic... Um, Ill, uh, it was, those were prophetic statements written by Isaiah concerning the destruction of Babylon. It was yet in the future. And God destroyed that wicked city just exactly like He purposed to do. He had no mercy on any of them. Well, we went into the book of Revelation, the 17th chapter, and we saw the spiritual meaning of the destruction of that wicked city, Babylon. We talked about Babylon the Great, the mother of harlots, the spirit of Antichrist, that's come upon all false religionists. I made this statement and during the Sunday school lesson this morning. I've made it before. I'll make it again. Arminian free will doctrine is the 
biggest deception that Antichrist has ever produced. I'll give you a minute to ponder that. And I'll say this. If you believe your free will brought you to Christ, that He couldn't do anything until you gave Him permission, you're still in darkness. You have never been delivered from the power of the spirit of Antichrist. God will not share His glory with anyone. And the reason I know that doctrine is a lie, the Word of God tells us it is not of him that willeth, nor of him that runneth, but of God that showeth mercy. The Holy Spirit moved the Apostle Paul to put that lie of free will right alongside with any other works that man thinks he can produce in order to earn God's favor. And so, this mother of harlots, Babylon the Great, encompasses the world. False religionists all over the world think they're going to heaven because of something they have done. And I'm warning you, Please take this to heart. God will have no mercy, none, when this world comes to an end, when Christ our Savior comes back pouring out His wrath on those who will not believe the record God has given us of His Son in His Holy Scriptures. Now the, the those by India, they were wrong in their predicted date of the end of the world. So was Harold Camping. And he knew more than they. But he still predicted a date that came and went, and a date that came and went, a date that came and went. God has not revealed to any man the, return, the day of the return of our Lord Jesus Christ. But I can tell you on the authority of God's Word, it's coming. Jesus Christ is coming in flaming fire taking vengeance on those who know not God and obey not the gospel of His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. Now chapters 16, 17, and 18 of Revelation are prophetic statements concerning the wrath of God that will be poured out on all religious hypocrites who believe the lies of Antichrist. I encourage you to read that on your own time, not right now. I mean, I, I don't want you to miss this message. There are a lot of symbols, a lot of things we might not understand, but all of these things have important meanings. But the subject is the destruction of this world when God comes pouring out His wrath on all of this world of ungodly people who hate Christ and His Gospel. That includes you, that includes me, that includes anyone who is foolish enough to believe the lies that are being preached from the pulpits of this great generation, of this great country we're living in, or any pulpit around the world who produces lies encouraging people to trust in the works of their own hands. This is serious business. So, our Lord in this 16th chapter of Revelation talks about angels who pour out vials of God's wrath upon the earth. 
Then in verses 5-7 through of Revelation 16, we read, I heard the angel of the waters say, Thou art righteous, O Lord, which art and wast and shalt be, because Thou hast judged thus. For they have shed the blood of saints and prophets, and Thou hast given them blood to drink, for they are worthy. And I heard another out of the altar say, Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are Thy judgments. That's the title of this morning's message. Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are Thy judgments. Brethren, God our Father has committed all judgment unto His Son, the Lord Jesus Christ. On the front of this morning's bulletin, this scripture is taken from John chapter 5, verses 22 through 24. And this is God's holy word. We read, The Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son, that all men should honor the Son even as they honor the Father. He that honoreth not the Son honoreth not the Father which hath sent Him. Verily, verily, I say unto you, it's our Lord Jesus Himself speaking, Verily, verily, I say unto you, He that heareth My word and believeth on Him that sent Me hath everlasting life and shall not come into condemnation, but is passed from death unto life. And so all judgment has been committed unto the Son. And our text, verse 7 of Revelation 16, says, the last part, even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are Thy judgments. Jesus Christ is God Almighty. All judgment has been committed unto Him. And all of His judgments are righteous. They're true. Whatever He has decided to do, it is right. Someone said, it isn't just that God does what's right. Whatever He does is right. And that is so true. And we must learn this. We must have this revealed to us. We must know that the government is on the shoulders of Jesus Christ, our Lord and our Savior. He rules and reigns over this whole universe and everything in it. I want to take you back to Matthew chapter 3. Now let's leave this book of Revelation. Go to Matthew chapter 3. And in this third chapter, John the Baptist says something to some Pharisees and Sadducees that we need to lay to heart. Now, let me just share some thoughts before I read this passage of Scripture in Matthew chapter 3. John mentioned this in his devotional. Our hearts are saddened and grieved by that awful madman who took the lives of 20 children and 6 adults before killing himself. He had just killed his mother before he went to that school. And our dear pastor friend, Brother Don Fortner, said that he would like to reach right out and hug those people who are mourning the death of their loved ones. But he said something else. He said, I would love to hug them and point them to Jesus Christ. Shortly after that terrible tragedy, this question came from the lips of many. Where was God when that shooting took place? Well, let me tell you where God was, where God has always been, 
and where He always will be, on His throne in glory, ruling over everything. God was on His throne when Cain murdered his brother Abel. God was on His throne when all those people drowned in the floodwaters during the days of Noah. God was on His throne when all those people died in Sodom and Gomorrah. God was on His throne during every tragedy that has taken place in this sin-cursed world, such as earthquakes and tornadoes and hurricanes and tsunamis that took the lives of thousands and thousands and thousands of people. God has always been on His throne. Now here's something we should not overlook. God was on His throne when the wicked leaders of this country allowed evolution to be taught in our schools, not as theory, but as fact, and would not allow the biblical truths of creation to be taught in the public schools. God was still on His throne. God was on His throne when the wicked leaders of this country legalized abortion, allowing women to murder millions of babies. God was on His throne when the wicked leaders of this country, instead of punishing homosexuals, passed passed laws to protect them. And that's not all. They allow teachers in our public schools to teach that those perverted lifestyles are accepted. They're teaching those lies. This country that was founded by godly men has turned their back on God They hate God and are not afraid to demonstrate their hatred for God by their blatant acts of willful, sinful deeds that just causes people that love the Lord Jesus Christ to cringe. Now I hope you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. I would not even pretend to tell you that I understand why God allowed those 20 children and those 6 adults to be murdered by that madman. But I do know this. The Lord Jesus Christ was not on vacation when that took place. He was still on His throne. And the words of our text are true in any given situation. Even so, Lord God Almighty, true and righteous are all Thy judgments. My heart goes out for those grieving parents. My wife and I know the pain of losing a child. My 11-year-old son died in my arms. And there's no pain like that. So I, I grieve for those parents who are suffering the loss of their children. There's no pain that can compare to that. And there's no way of describing it. But if you've ever experienced it, you feel the pain that's in the hearts of others who go through that. But as difficult and painful as that is, Absolutely nothing can compare to the pain of eternal torment. And people are dying in their sins by the thousands every day and going right out into eternal torment. John the Baptist was the forerunner of Christ our Savior. He was filled with the Spirit of God. He preached the truth. And here in this third chapter, of Matthew, starting at verse 1, we read, In those days came John the Baptist 
preaching in the wilderness of Judea and saying, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. For this is He, speaking of Christ, that was spoken of by the prophets by the prophet Isaiah, saying, The voice of one crying in the wilderness, Prepare ye the way of the Lord, make his path straight. So John was the he was the forerunner, the one that the prophet spoke about, pointing people to Jesus Christ. And the same John had his raiment of camel's hair and a leathern girdle about his loins, and his meat, his food, was locusts and wild honey. Then went out to him Jerusalem and all Judea and all the region round about Jordan and were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. People had not heard from God through a prophet since the day of Malachi. They were looking for another prophet. Many of them were looking for the Messiah, but when John the Baptist came on the scene and started preaching the truth, there was a great stir in the land. So multitudes came out and was hearing him preach, repent, repent, repent. He pointed them to Jesus Christ. He pointed to Christ and said, Behold, the Lamb of God which taketh away the sins of the world. He wasn't drawing attention to himself. He wasn't dressed in the royal clothing of kings. He wasn't eating the dainty dishes of those people who are noble. But he was God's preacher. God's preacher preaching the truth, warning people of the coming wrath of God. We read in verse 6, they were baptized of him in Jordan, confessing their sins. But when he, when John the Baptist saw many of the Pharisees and Sadducees come to his baptism, he said unto them, O generation of vipers, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? So he was preaching that. And he put this question before men who were not ungodly men as far as their lifestyles are concerned. They were very sincere, dedicated religious people who were supposed to be the leaders of the people in Israel. But John calls them nothing but slithering snakes full of poison and they were poisoning the minds of those people they were supposed to be pointing to Christ. They were supposed to be pointing them to Christ. They, they, didn't, they didn't care about Christ. They hated Christ. They had their own false doctrine. They had their own way of thinking. And they were deceiving the people just like this generation of preachers we have today are deceiving the people with lies or nothing but snakes full of the poison of Antichrist, drawing people after their own religious beliefs, and they're blind leaders of the blind, and both shall fall in the ditch. Now, I'm not making this up. These truths are found in God's Word just as clear as can be, but people don't want to believe them. So God sends them strong delusion that they should believe a lie. John says in verse 8 to those slithering snakes, Bring forth therefore fruits, meet for repentance. 
And think not to say within yourselves, We have Abraham to our father. For I say unto you that God is able of these stones to raise up children unto Abraham. And now also the axe is laid unto the root of the trees. Therefore every tree which bringeth not forth good fruit is hewn down and cast into the fire. And God's flaming fire is coming. And no unregenerate, hell-deserving sinner who has not experienced the miracle of the new birth can bring forth good fruit. It's all evil. Everything in the natural man is evil. Everything that comes forth from the natural man is evil. That's where we were before we experienced the miracle of the new birth. And this is why Christ came. This is why our Lord Jesus Christ came to save His chosen people so that we would be delivered out of that group of people who still love those lies and are headed for eternal torment. Now turn to Romans chapter 4, if you would please. Our God is a merciful God who delights in showing mercy. There is a way that hell-deserving sinners can escape the wrath to come, but only one way. Only one way. And that way is Jesus Christ in His perfect redeeming work for His chosen people. Our Lord Jesus paid the ransom price in full for all their sins. While He walked on this earth, and I've already told you that our Lord Jesus is no longer a baby in the manger. And I'm just as thankful, I hope I am, as any sinner saved by the grace of God that our Lord Jesus came into this world. But here is what I I want to share with you so you don't misunderstand what I'm saying. People delight in a Jesus that's still in a manger. That's where they want Him. They delight in a Jesus that they can manipulate, that they can control. They delight in a Jesus that doesn't even exist. And their desire is to turn your eyes away from the risen, exalted Christ of God who is seated on His sovereign throne of power, giving eternal life to as many as God the Father gave Him. And we must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. All of God's preachers, all of God's enlightened saints, thank God for sending His Son into this world. But He sent Him into this world to establish a perfect righteousness for us. We wouldn't have any righteousness that God will accept if it had not been for Christ our Savior. Folks, listen. He he walked perfect. He walked perfect in the sight of God the Father. He did always that which pleased His Heavenly Father. Always. He loved the Lord God with all His heart, soul, strength, and mind. He loved His neighbor as Himself. He fulfilled the law of God. He kept the law of God perfectly. Everything He did was perfect. When He went to that cross, He went as the spotless Lamb of God without blemish of any kind. And that walk of perfect obedience is ours. If our faith is in the Lord Jesus Christ, God sees us in Christ when He was born of the Virgin, in Christ when He walked on this earth perfectly, in Christ when He went to that cross at Calvary. 
God sees the righteousness of Christ and He sees us in Christ with that righteousness imputed to us. This is wonderful. This is good news for people who know they're a sinner. It's people who think they're good enough without Christ to go to heaven. People who are trusting in the works of their own hands. People think their good will outweigh their bad. There's no good in anybody. Until God sends the Spirit of His Son into our hearts. So He established a righteousness for us. He endured God's wrath when He suffered and bled and died. As our substitute, we've already been punished in Christ Jesus. God is a just God. He cannot demand payment for sin twice. And payment has already been made for His people, for the people of the Lord Jesus at Calvary 2,000 years ago. So His blood that He shed, the divine blood of Jesus Christ, that's why it's important to believe in a virgin birth. His blood was not tainted by the sin of man. It was the blood of God that was flowing through His veins. And that blood that was shed at Calvary has washed all of God's chosen people clean. Not one spot is upon God's people. God does not see any sin in Jacob. No sin in His spiritual Israel. Because He sees us in Christ. And so, these wonderful truths concerning Jesus Christ is what God's preachers want you to hear. And that's not being preached. I'll guarantee you the majority of the churches in this nation and around the world today are talking about a Jesus that's still in the manger. And that song you ladies sung just a moment ago is replaced by Christmas songs that have nothing to do with the Gospel of our Savior. So if you're here in Romans chapter 4, I'll bring this to a close just in a moment. Before I read the Scripture, let me say this. Abraham believed God. Abraham believed God. And it was accounted to him, imputed to him for righteousness. Abraham's faith was written for our learning, for our sake. If you hear in Romans chapter 4, look at verse 23. After describing Abraham's faith, the Word of God says, Now it was not written for His sake alone that it was imputed to Him, but for us also to whom it shall be imputed if we believe on Him that raised up Jesus our Lord from the dead, who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. Did you hear that? He was delivered for our offenses. All of our iniquities were laid on Christ. God made Him, God our Father made His darling Son who knew no sin to be sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God in Him. I, I wish I could preach. <laughs> Grab a hold of this. If our iniquities were laid on Christ... And God punished His Son for our sins. And I'm not just talking about a little lie here. And I'm talking about all of our sins from the time we came into this world to the time we leave this world. All of our sins, past, present, and future, were laid on our Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. And He paid the ransom price in full for all of them. He was delivered for our offenses. He was raised again for our justification. 
That can't mean the whole world. If it meant the whole world, the whole world would be justified. Look at verse 1 of chapter 5. Therefore being justified, and there's where the comma should be, by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. He was raised again for our justification. Therefore being justified, we have by faith we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So folks, listen, faith does not save you, but nobody's going to be saved without it. Jesus Christ is our Savior, but we must have faith to believe on Him, and faith is God's gift to the sinner. Contrary to popular belief, faith is not the sinner's gift to God. All men have not the faith. We looked at that just earlier this morning in Sunday school. But God is the author. The Lord Jesus Christ is the author and the finisher of our faith. He comes to us when we're running from Him with the same hatred in our hearts that those wicked men had when they crucified the Lord of glory. He comes to us when we hate Him, running from Him, drinking iniquity like water, have no use for the Christ of Holy Scripture. No love for His Gospel. To the contrary, the Gospel to the unregenerate man is foolishness. It's nothing but foolishness. But the Word of God says it's to them that perish foolishness. But unto us who are saved, it's the power of God. So He comes to us and He gives us faith to believe that Jesus Christ was delivered for our offenses, was raised again for our justification. Read on. In verse 2, it says, By whom, speaking of Christ our Savior, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Our faith will cause us to receive what Jesus Christ has done for us and God's grace enables us to come into His presence with singing, with praise, with joy, rejoicing in what Jesus Christ has done for us and the hope that's set before us, which is Christ Jesus the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. Look at verse 3. And not only so, but we glory in tribulations also, knowing that tribulation worketh patience, and patience experience, and experience hope, and hope maketh not ashamed, because the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by the Holy Ghost which is given unto us. You need more patience? Be careful how you pray. Tribulation worketh patience. But it's God Himself. And here's the point. The Holy Spirit has come to us. God's elect at His appointed time of love for us. And the love of God is shed abroad in our hearts by His power. We learn of the love of God. We learn that God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We believe that this is love. Not that we love God, but that He loved us and sent His Son to be the propitiation for our sins. That word propitiation means sin atoning sacrifice. The the sin debt has been taken care of by God who loved us with an everlasting love. By God who loved us so much, His chosen people, His elect, that He sent His Son to redeem us with His own precious blood. This is the Gospel. The Gospel is not God has done all He can, the rest is up to you. If that's true, there's no hope for any of us. 
Salvation is of the Lord from start to finish. And He comes to us. And He reveals the love of God to us. The eternal, immutable love of God that absolutely nothing can separate us from. That love is in Christ Jesus. These truths need to be preached. Look at verse 6. For when we were yet without strength, in due time Christ died for the ungodly. When we had no strength, when we were totally depraved, when we had no hope, when we were without God, Jesus Christ went to that cross and He laid down His life for the ungodly. That's me. That's me. I don't know about you, but I find my name in the Holy Scriptures. Ungodly. But Jesus Christ laid down His life for the ungodly. Look at verse 7. For scarcely for a righteous man will one die, yet peradventure for a good man some would even dare to die. We know, we know what that means. There are many who have laid down their lives for good men that would not have laid down their life for the town drunk. But look at verse 8. God commendeth His love toward us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. That's when the redemption price was paid while we were yet sinners. That's when we were redeemed while we were yet sinners. That's when the holy justice of God was satisfied while we were yet sinners. Verse 9 says, much more. This is, this is so wonderful. Don't miss this. Much more than being now justified by His blood, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. Now the wrath is coming. God's wrath is coming. John the Baptist told those religious muckety-mucks, who hath warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And they wouldn't believe him though a man told it to them. They were self-righteous in their own way of thinking. They had the law that they were keeping for their righteousness. They had a... a, a a cloak of their own self-righteousness that they portrayed before the people, praying in the streets so that people would see them and think they were very spiritual. Our Lord Jesus called them whited sepulchers, hypocrites, full of dead men's bones, they looked good on the outside. The inside, they were just as spiritually dead as any of the ungodly people who would never darken the door of a church. It's like a grave. Put flowers on the grave. Put beautiful marble headstones at the grave. Plant grass around the grave. But down inside that grave, nothing but dead men. And that's what they were. And that's where we were. In that same camp. But our Lord Jesus Christ justified us by His blood. He didn't make us justifiable. He justified us by His blood. Therefore, we shall be saved from wrath through Him. And verse 10 says, For if when we were enemies, we were reconciled to God by the death of His Son, much more being reconciled, we shall be saved by His life. Our Lord Jesus said, Because I live, you shall live also. It's the risen, exalted, glorified Son of God that keeps us by His power. We're saved by His life. He gives us eternal life and He keeps us by His power through faith unto salvation ready to be revealed at the last time. So we have a Savior 
who's no longer a baby in a manger, no longer walking in humility before God in this world, no longer on the cross, no longer in the grave, but on His throne in heaven, all power in heaven and earth has been given to Him, and by that power He gives us eternal life, and He keeps us looking to Him as the one and blessed only hope for entrance into eternal bliss, escaping the eternal torment of God's wrath. We shall be saved by His life. Verse 11 says, and I'll try to bring this to a close, not only so, but we also joy in God through our Lord Jesus Christ by whom we have now received the atonement. So under the preaching of the Gospel, when we receive Christ, we receive all that Christ has done for us. We have received the atonement. John read a word in the article of today's bulletin, expiate. That means that satisfaction has been made for our sins. That means that God's anger has been appeased. That means that we, as God's children, have been delivered because of the sin atoning sacrifice of Jesus Christ our Lord. And God remembers our sins against us no more. But as I walked you through these scriptures, was there anything at all in those scriptures that pointed to man's doings? No. It's all because of what Christ has done. Now judgment day is coming. God has committed all judgment to His Son. All of us must stand before the judgment seat of Christ. All of Adam's posterity will be there. Would you just look for a moment at verse 1 of chapter 8? Verse 1 of chapter 8 of this book of Romans. The Word of God says, There is therefore now no condemnation, no judgment to them which are in Christ Jesus. And the last part of that First verse belongs down in verse 4. But folks, this is the Gospel. Jesus paid it all. All to Him I owe. Sin had left a crimson stain. He washed it white as snow. And it's all because of God's eternal purpose and the precious redeeming work of Christ our Savior. I share two more verses with you in this 8th chapter. And I'll leave you with this. Romans chapter 8, verses 32 and 33. He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? God has given us all things that pertain unto life and godliness. Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It is God that justifies. People who hate the doctrine of election better read that. God has justified His people through the perfect redeeming work of Christ our Savior. He didn't spare His Son. He sent Him to that cross for this very purpose. To pay the ransom price in full for all of the sins of His chosen people. So I, I encourage you. I warn you. If you're trusting in anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, I don't care what it is, anything, 
whether it's your baptism, whether it's meeting on a certain day, whether it's speaking in gibberish, whether it's speaking uh, things that you think are true, or whether it's your free will, your decision for Jesus, anything other than the Lord Jesus Christ, get rid of it. Get rid of it. Come to Christ. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. And if you don't, if you go out into eternity without believing what the Holy Word of God says about Christ our Savior, there's no escape from eternal torment. Today is the day of salvation. Come to Him by faith. Cry out to God for mercy in the name of Jesus Christ our Lord and our Savior. And rejoice with all of God's saints that Christ did come into this world. Rejoice that He did accomplish what no other could do. Establishing a perfect righteousness for us. Rejoice that He paid the price in full for all of our sins that nothing can be laid to our charge. Rejoice in the One who is seated on His throne in glory. Jesus Christ, who is Lord of all, bow down to Him giving Him the praise and the glory for this wonderful, unspeakable gift, eternal life, through what He has accomplished for us. And sing this closing song with us with joy unspeakable. Hallelujah. What a Savior.